Well, it just, it just feels like such a great season in family church with so much going on. And uh, I'm so excited about all that God's doing and uh, the plans that he has for us. Lots of new stuff going on. Um, again, huge welcome. Don't worry, all the people leaving are our young adults. If you're new with us, that's our youth. And they're going out, our ignition age, they're going out for their special group. And if you're new with us today and you've brought kids, we just want to let you know your kids are really safe and your kids and your young people are going to have an amazing experience this morning in family church. Our teams are so good and uh, you can relax if you're a parent and uh, take a breather and uh, just know that your kids are safe with our kids teams. But also God's got a plan for your life here in this main service Fantastic. Well, we're in a bit of a busy time of so much happening. I'm over the moon about our young adults meeting tonight at um, 18 plus, meeting tonight at 6.30. That's going to be amazing. I was away in, where was I last week? I don't know, I've been traveling a lot. Eh? Bedworth. I was in Bedworth, and that's up near Birmingham, if you've never heard of it. And we just had incredible meetings last week, seeing lives touched. But also I heard last week that the worship service in the evening here was off the chart. Was someone exaggerating or was it? It was good, right? And so don't forget, once a month on a Sunday night at the Empower Centre, which is our uh, headquarters down on, on, I was Kingston Road, Kingston Road, that's what, we've been there long enough, I should know that. But we have a, a night of just worship where we just enjoy God's presence. So, hey, fantastic. Here we are, New Year, loads of good stuff going on. And we've been speaking concerning our best lap yet. You know, we started this year just really sensing that we felt God saying to us, come on, this year is a year about run. You may have had a year of sleep, hold back, lay back. Um, this year is run. But I believe that God is excited about this year and he wants us to be excited about this year. But as we've stepped in, it's really a year where I just keep hearing in my heart, even as I'm traveling around helping other churches, I just hear that the church in England is going to run this year and it's going to be our best lap yet. Now, we're celebrating as a church 25 years. I'm amazed. Isn't it incredible that we've got set-up teams and people that have, for 25 years, have you ever thought about that, have come here at 7 in the morning and built church for 25 years? I just think that's, that just blesses the heart of God. And, hey, it's not because we don't want a building, all right? Don't go thinking... Well, I've got two million and I could have bought your building, but it sounds like you're like setting up in a school hall. No, no, no. Stay with the plan. We're en route to our own home. Can someone say amen? And uh, who knows? Could be this year, eh? So we, we've purposed in our hearts that we're going to run this year and we're going to run our best lap yet. And the last two weeks, we've been looking and basing our thoughts around Hebrews 12 and verses 1 to 2, where it speaks about running. And it speaks about those who have gone before us that run their race for God. It speaks of Jesus who ran his race and died on a cross that we could know new life. But then it speaks to us and it says, come on, be ready to run. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let previous years or previous laps disqualify you from turning up for this, which is going to be the best lap yet. And we spent a couple of weeks across the congregations. And again, if you're new with us, we meet here in Portsmouth. We also meet in Gosport. At the same time, Haven, Waterside, Waterlooville, where have I left out? And we've got an online congregation as well that goes live at 10.30 if ever you need to watch because you're traveling. But in all our congregations, we've been speaking about, come on, it's time to be on the track in your lane for what God wants to do this year. Because this race isn't just about our race 
as a church community. It's about every individual saying, this is going to be my best year let. Yeah, I'm taking off my COVID slippers. I'm putting on my, I'm putting on my Issachar trainers. I'm getting ready for this to be the best year that I've ever lived for Jesus Christ in my past. Or in my, it's going to be amazing. We also spoke about getting rid of stuff. But you could be on the track and you could be in your lane. But if you've got a backpack on and someone holding your leg, that's really going to hinder how you run. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, speaks of get rid of stuff out of your bag. Unforgiveness, bitterness, stuff in your bag, resentment, that's only ever going to slow you down. And I've actually found in my life that when I get a view of what God wants to do next, it gives me a heart to lose what could slow me down. Sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to forgive that person. I don't don't want to get that resentment dealt with. Oh, get a look at what God's got for you next, and you'll be throwing that stuff out like there's no tomorrow. But also, it speaks of getting rid of baggage that weighs us down and things that easily ensnare. Now, I know that Pastor Stewart spoke on this last week, that things can hold on to you that aren't meant to. Make sure you've got rid of negative strongholds and things in your life that are only set to slow you down. I want to look today now at choosing the athlete experience over the crowd experience. Because the funny thing is, if it's Wembley or if it's Shea Stadium or any big arena in our country, at any given moment, you've got two types of people represented. You have spectators and you have athletes. You have people sitting in the bleachers watching and cheering, telling everybody on the field how they should be playing, right? And then you have the players or the runners on the track. And I really believe this year, God's saying to us, come on, don't settle for the experience of a spectator Go for the experience of an athlete. Don't settle for sit and look, sit and watch other people running their race. But come off out of the seats, onto the track and say, I'm going to be an athlete. I may not have been one in the last years of my life, but now I'm going to be an athlete. And I'm really seriously going to run my best lap for God that I've I've ever run. Now, let's be conscious. We could all live in an element of regret, right? I look back over the last Tuesday, I turned 57. So the last 57 years of my life, and 30 of them has been walking with Jesus. And I look back and I see laps where I really, if it was a school report, it would say, could do better. Could do better. He could apply himself more. But I look back on other laps, like when we planted the church, that was a good lap. But I'm not going to let successful ones or negative ones stop me running the one but I'm in now. I want to be an athlete, not a spectator. I want to be a disciple, not just a crowd. Now, I've got some screens that I'm going to put up in a moment because every one of us have this this journey in common. Both of us start with a moment, which is like, we can pop them up now, Um, a moment where it's like we start in the crowd. That's where we meet Jesus, we encounter him. Maybe we're in a public meeting. But it's a moment when we first really kind of meet Jesus for ourselves. Now that's awesome, but God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to, and you'll see over the next two screens, he wants us to keep moving. That was a big jump. That was a huge, massive. Let's do that again. Come on, I need to get these guys working right. So you start there, and that's... I don't want to just have a crowd experience with God. I want to be walking with him personally. And that causes you to move there. That's more like it. 
And uh, you're still moving away from a crowd experience towards something that's more personal between you and Jesus. And that takes you over here. Now, the reality is that no one in this room is extremely crowd or extremely disciple. We're all on that chart somewhere, right? We all started with an encounter where it was about meeting Jesus in a meeting, maybe. But the good news is that's not where God wants you to stay. Even if it's inch by inch, he wants you to ever be moving. Let's see if they can follow me. Ever be moving towards being a disciple, or we could call it today, being an athlete. Thank you, team. You did amazing with that. That was a win. Now, there's many examples in the Bible where Jesus blessed crowds and he spoke to crowds. Right the way through the Gospels, uh, which is the bit in the Bible that speaks to you about the ministry and the life of Jesus. You see him time and time again pitching up and there's a huge crowd. Or he starts speaking and a crowd gathers. And he always blesses the crowd, doesn't he? He always heals the sick and puts broken people back together again. But another thing that you often see Jesus doing is he speaks to people in the crowd and says, All right, well done for the crowd experience. Now come and follow me. And he speaks to people many times, you see it in the Bible, where he turns to fishermen and he says, drop the nets, come and follow me, I'll make you. Or he says to this person, hey you, come and follow me. And what Jesus is doing to those people is he's calling them out of a crowd experience into something that's more personal that's not going to affect a moment in a meeting, but they're Monday, they're Tuesday, they're Wednesday, they're Thursday, they're Friday, they're Saturday. Jesus is saying, walk with me full-time, not part-time. Don't visit me anymore in meetings. Come on, let's do life together. I love that. Now, there's some people <coughs> that went with him. You read about the fishermen, you read about Matthew, you read about the tax collectors. They had a crowd moment with God, but when Jesus said to them, Come and be a disciple. Come and follow me. They left what they knew to walk with him. But again, there's other moments, and I won't go to the verse, but you can make a note of it if you want, which is in Mark 10, verses 17 to 27, where it speaks of a young man, and all we know about this young man is three things, and they're all good. It says he was a rich, young ruler. That ain't a bad life, is it? Rich, some would take that right. Young, some of you would take that right. Ruler, some of you would take, he was all three. And he sees Jesus in a crowd moment and says, none of this is any good. I, I want to be one of your disciples, Jesus. I want to walk with you. Jesus says, no problem. But he says to him, listen, you've got to leave behind that which has got a grip on you if you want that to happen. Now, just because it was money with him doesn't mean it's money with us. Often God will say to us, if you want to walk with me closer, are you ready to leave that behind? Are you ready to forsake that? Are you ready to put the cross before you, the world behind you? And for this young guy, because he was so rich, influential, he couldn't do it. But Jesus never stopped loving him because this isn't about whether Jesus loves you or not. He loves you if you're crowd or if you're leaving the crowd to be a follower. Jesus loves you full stop. His salvation is yours full stop. The moment you place faith in Jesus Christ, he saves you. Amen. This is about your experience. Do you want to be an athlete? Or do you want to sit in the bleachers or the spectating court telling other people how to play? 
That's annoying when you're on the pitch and you're playing and somebody's shouting at you how you should play and they're sitting there eating a cheese sandwich when they're doing it. Not that I've ever been a premiership player. <laughs> but sometimes I used to love going to football matches, not because I was that keen on football. I just love watching the crowd. That moment somebody kicks it wrong. Some old guy that's probably never walked a mile in his life. Oh, go on! And you're like... So I go to football matches to watch the crowd. There you go. It's out. You've heard it. But other people did follow Jesus. You know, Paul said the same thing. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, all the ones. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He would say to people like Jesus did, come and follow me. But he was different. He said, come follow me as I follow him. Jesus said, come follow me, full stop, because he was the son of God. But Paul said, no, no, I'm committed to not being crowd. I'm going to be a disciple but you're so welcome to follow me as I follow him. Imitate me as I imitate him. Now, every believer, I believe, should be stepping out of an initial crowd experience into something more personal. That doesn't mean if you're a church leader, if you're born in this nation, if you grew up in this church. This is every person's mandate and invitation. Jesus loves you if you want to stay crowd and just come and sing some songs on Sunday. He loves you. His love, isn't, his love is fully yours. It doesn't change his love for you. But our lives begin to experience something more incredible when we're moving away from that with a heart that says, Jesus, I want to do life with you and I want you to do life with me. Now, we still remain crowd in the context of us being church. Let's not get wrapped up in any of these modern stupid doctrines that say church as we've known it is wrong. We just need me and Jesus in my living room. That's just a load of rubbish. That's called a life group if you get two or, or, or three friends and do it with them. The church is still God's master plan on the earth. It is never to be deconstructed and it certainly isn't toxic. It's God's plan for touching the planet. But sometimes people get confused, especially of those who wanted to be in leadership and maybe didn't get the offer to be. They run around starting saying, oh, churches, we've known it. No, it's just about me and Jesus. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's both. But God wants you to have an incredible crowd experience of being a Christian. Not that you're staying in a place of non-growth, but you're planted in a church with people that love God, that are, that are on the planet to change the planet, save the world in Jesus' name. But also he wants you to have something personal going on so that when the crowd aren't around Monday morning, this would be weird if you woke up tomorrow morning and we were all in your bedroom going, hey, how you doing? That would be really strange. <clears throat> so it's not either or, it's both and. And often people who are trying to deconstruct church don't understand. It's not either or, it's both and. It's yes, you should have an intimate walk with God. Yes, you should have a small group experience of church. And yes, you should be a part of an army that makes a sound, that makes the city council listen when we sing. And when we say, no, that's not acceptable. Let's not lose our voice, guys, with some of these silly doctrines that are floating around. Now, this fits so well with our mission on being discipleship-minded and disciple-making. Discipleship is when we pull away from a crowd experience alone that we initially encountered him with to something that's got greater uh, responsibility. A disciple in the name actually speaks from the word discipline. 
So a disciple is someone that's not just having a crowd moment with Jesus, jumping up and down a little bit, but they're walking straight when they land because they're allowing the teaching of Jesus Christ to affect how they do relationships, how they handle money, how they deal with things like unforgiveness, bitterness, greed. They're allowing God's word to determine a straight walk, not just a great jump in a meeting. Everybody still with me? You good? Now, being a disciple or someone that's purposefully in their heart going after with something personal with Jesus as well as their church experience, there's a, a few things that, um, you, that, that this can involve. I'm going to give you three of them ever so quickly. Number one, it means you start letting God into the chipboard of your life and don't just give him ownership of the worktop. Now, I wrote a book 10 years ago called God's Blueprint, and I did a chapter in there called Discipleship, and we looked at this. But it's amazing when we look at our worktops in our kitchens. You know, some people have the finest slate taken from the valleys of Wales. Other people have wood cut from a special sequoia tree somewhere in America shipped in. And then there's others like me that have got chipboard worktops. This is chipboard. I know some of you think that it's solid marble. It's chipboard, chipboard. All right. So I want to confess, you know, chipboard. Chipboard is good. It looks like wood, but it's a lot cheaper. It looks like slate, but it's a lot cheaper. Now, the thing with wood chip um, is it looks incredible because it's got that veneer on it. But if your washing machine floods, you've had it. It's like Weetabix. If your washing machine, it sucks up like Weetabix sucks milk. And your kitchen swells to four times its normal size. Why am I saying that? I don't know. I just thought you'd need to know that. (laughs) But our lives can be like worktops. And when we encounter Jesus, maybe in that crowd-type moment, we say, oh, Jesus, I give you the worktop. You gave your life for me. But discipleship is suddenly when you begin to say, God, I welcome you into the chipboard of who I am. Come beneath the veneer of my life, into the chipboard, into the grain of who I am. If there's stuff that doesn't agree with your kingdom life, your kingdom life shouldn't change. I need to change. So disciples don't just claim ownership by God. They let God in. And that's where some of the ouch can happen, right? When you're a disciple, suddenly Jesus says, so you want to be a disciple? Stop that. Who do you think you are? Son of God. Next question. (laughs) We let him into the middle of who we are. Number two, It involves us taking more personal responsibility and ownership for what we've got going on with God. Now, often when we're having a crowd experience with God, not an athlete one, we need other people to tell us when to run. We need other people to say, go that way, you know, follow that person. But when when you're an athlete, when you're somebody that says, I want to be a disciple, what you experience is you taking responsibility. I need to pray and I'm going to own that. I need to start to read the Bible. I'm going to own that. I need to forgive this person. I'm going to own that. And I love the words of Joshua in Joshua 24, 15, where he says this, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We should all have that element of, as for me, I've made my decision, I've made my choices. As for me and my family, we're serving the Lord. You've just made it personal. But the next thing, the third thing, there's plenty more, but three will do today. But when you decide to pull away from the crowd more and be more of a disciple, 
It's a greater commitment of you walking daily by the truth, not just having emotional moments in meetings. There's a hilarious story, well, I find it hilarious, in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And uh, let me read it to you. The translation I'm reading through doesn't make it as funny as what it does in other translations. Now, it says in verse 27, right, Jesus is teaching, he's actually speaking on um, people being gripped by demonic activity, quite a serious subject. And then it says in verse 27, as Jesus was teaching these things, a woman in the crowd shouted out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Now, I don't know what translation we've got on here. Yeah, no, that's a good one. My King James, I think it is, says that this woman stands up and shouts, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. That's really not nice, is it? That's really not kind of, that's a little bit awkward, isn't it? If, if I was teaching today and then somebody jumped up and said, Andy Elms, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. I'd say, excuse me? It's my mother. It's my mother. And I love this moment that I think everyone around this woman thought, what did she just... And they just went, like you would. And she's left standing in a crowd owning this. She's just blurted out, blessed is the womb that bore you, the breasts that nursed you, blessed are those. And everybody's left her and she's kind of standing there like... And I love it that Jesus looks at her and I believe he just smiles. But what he deals with is something that's emotional versus decision. He says, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and choose to obey it daily. So what we got here is a collision of emotional experience versus a person that's saying, I'm going to live in the truth when I like it. I'm going to live in the truth when I don't. I'm going to live by the truth when it does what I like. And I'm going to live by the truth when it offends me. Or we can be like the woman. Because we all have those moments. I can be just like that woman. Not that I'm a woman, obviously. I hope you've worked that out. But I can be just like her. Sometimes when we're having praise and worship. And the spirit of God's moving. I'm like, Jesus! You know, we all have those moments. Some of us do. Some people I don't know what will it take. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm still praying, all right? I will find that explosive rocket, and we will see it come to pass for you, all right? But sometimes in that moment, I'm like, Jesus! And I, I mean it. I'm in. But then you wake up Monday morning, and you're like, oh, God, what did I promise you yesterday in that moment? And there's a getting up, and there's a walking true to the things that are how God would have us to live. When you're a disciple, it's not just emotional moments and shouting out statements in a crowd. None of those are wrong, but remember, it's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you land. That's what makes you an athlete. All right, not got too much left, stay with me. Our twofold commission that God's given us this year, and he gave the church 2,000 years ago, was go and make disciples. And it's a call to help other people to become disciples but you can only really genuinely help people to become what you're committed to being yourself. It's like if you've got measles and you preach mumps, everybody will hear mumps, but they'll catch measles, right? 
It's the same. We need to be committed. Lord, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Lord, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was when I started. I love the church. I love our gatherings together. But my life is committed to be an athlete in my lane on my track, running my best race for you, leaving behind what I need to leave behind. It doesn't matter what they need to leave behind. I'm not here to judge others. I'm here to judge myself. Let me lose what's slowing me down. Let me get rid of things that are hanging on to my leg. This is my race and I'm going to own it because I want to be an athlete, not just a spectator watching other people run. Now, it starts with our commitment to run as a disciple and have a life that's shaped now by his word and his spirit. There's only ever two ingredients, his word and his spirit. That we live our lives by what God says is true in his word and we live our lives submitted and surrendered to his Holy Spirit. Do what you want. Like we sung today, break down my walls, God. That's got to be more than a song. Break down my walls, God. The walls that are in me that are stopping me knowing you more, living for you more. Break down those walls, Holy Spirit. Listen, one of the most exciting things in my heart at the moment is this ministry school that we're going to start in September called The Forge. I'm believing for 30 people. And I want to pour everything that God's taught me over 30 years into those 30 people. And we're going to be starting in September. It's a full-time Bible school. Well, it's not a school where you're going to get a diploma or certificate. You get nothing. Except for 30 years of my life being poured into you. But we're going to have so much time in the Word and in the Spirit. Especially the first third. Word and Spirit. Word and Spirit. Finding out who we are in Christ. So if you're interested... Only 30 places, I think two have already gone and we've not launched it yet. So get signed up for that and uh, Stu can give you more details on that. But that excites me that we're going to have our own ministry school. That's going to be amazing. So let's bring this in for a landing. We're not saying that our personal walk replaces our church commitment. We're saying it's not either all, it's and both. It's both and Because imagine this, when we're a body that set its heart on running for God, which we are, family church, we're not taking a year off, this is going to be our best year yet. Somebody said to me the other day, well they actually said to me this morning coming in, oh you're here, it looks like you've been all over the world. I said it feels like it. January we started running and the doors that God's opening to us as a church is amazing. We're running as a church to change a nation. But imagine how powerful it is when you've got a body that's running, but also every cell that makes up the body is committed to running too. Come on, that's powerful. Because stick a microscope on yourself and you'll see you're made up of cells. We're a church body and we're made up of cells and each of you are a cell in this body. Imagine what we can do for Jesus this year is if as a body, but also as a cell, we're saying my best lap yet, Jesus, my best run yet. God, forgetting what lays behind, my best lap yet. God, I'm going to live in your word. I'm going to live by your spirit this year. All right, let's close it down with some incentive, all right? A greater commitment, I believe, offers a greater life reward. It's not about it costing you more but rather you gaining an experience that's better. 
It's not about walking with Jesus as a disciple costing you more. It's about what he will now do in your life as you develop this discipleship, this athlete relationship with him. Now, it says in Galatians 6 verse 8 that if we sow to the flesh, from the flesh we reap. If we sow to the spirit, from the spirit we reap. Being a disciple is somebody that's saying, no, I'm not just going to sit here in the crowd sowing to my flesh. I'm going to begin to sow to my spirit, and from my spirit I will reap. Now, let's just have a look at the disciples. Let's look at some of the people that actually did this. You had the crowd, and Jesus was committed to loving them and helping them. He healed their sick. He fed them. He had miracle fish and bread moments. He loved on the crowd. But like I said, we see Jesus coming to people and saying, you, come and follow me, and I'll make you something you never dreamed you could be. You, come and follow me. He was always calling people out of the crowd. And I remember once uh, in ministry, and there was a lot going on, and I can remember always, I said to Jesus, I prayed, and I said, God, didn't you ever get sick of the crowd? Because when I look through the Bible, they were always like, do this for me. Give this to me. Do this for me. We need you here. Now do this. I said, Jesus, didn't, didn't you ever get sick of them? And I felt him laugh and say, how can I get sick of people I love, number one? But two, he said, no, no, because I had another project going on over here called My Disciples. And they fulfilled my heart so that I could continually bless the crowd. You see, when you look at the disciples, they had a different experience from crowd-minded people. Let me give you just three of them quickly. They had a personal, up-close, life-shaping moment walk with Jesus the crowd never got. You see, the crowd, even though it was comfortable, it was settled, it was convenient, they only experienced public moments with Jesus. Disciples, read it in the Bible, it says, and they walked from Jerusalem to Caesarea. That's, that's not 20 minutes. We're talking days Imagine the questions as they're walking with Jesus. What do you think about this, Jesus? What do you think about this, Jesus? What do you think about this, Jesus? Come here a minute, Dan. You can be what, fancy playing Jesus this morning? Spontaneous. Why not? Why not? Come on up here. This guy's got a phenomenal testimony of what God did during the 31 days of breakthrough. Amen. <laughs> Family restored. Love that. Say again? Jesus had hair. Jesus had hair, but this is a minor point. Minor point. <laughs> this is the East End Jesus, all right? What he would have looked like, all right? Geezer G's, all right? <laughs> Random. So, so Jesus is there. I'll be crowd. Just pretend you're teaching at me. Just pretend to speak something. Oh, what do you say? Oh, that was good, wasn't it? That was good, wasn't it? That's different to this. Let's go for a walk. So what do you think about this then, Jesus? Oh, that's amazing. What? Change that, God. But I really like doing that. It makes me feel good. Okay. Oh, that'll happen. Okay. Let's give Dan a big round of applause for bold East End Jesus, the cheese geese. You see, you get more when you're walking with him alone than just getting what you get in the crowd. Here's another one. The things they heard, the crowd didn't hear. And this is one I really love. The crowd got to watch miracles. The disciples got to handle them. Come on. Read about the disciples. And it said one day when he had a multitude of people that needed to be fed, the disciples said, how are you going to feed them, Jesus? You've got a big plan. 
because there's about 5,000 men and not even went, women and um, kids have been counted yet. Imagine that moment when Jesus turned around and went, I ain't feeding them. It's your turn. You all been watching me? Yeah, it's your turn now. Because discipleship works with, I'll show you, I'll do it with you, and then I'll leave you alone to do it on your own. And suddenly the disciples are like, you know, if they were in Portsmouth, they'd go, shut up. Shut up. Are you not disrespectful if you're visiting from another country? That's actually just inquisitive more than insulting, all right? It's like when American friends come over and they say something, I go, shut up. And they're like, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I said, no, no, it's a term of endearment. It's like, give us more. So, so Jesus, he says to his disciples, I'm not going to feed them. You've seen me do that. That's so last season. You feed them now. And he took the bread and he took the fish and he blessed it. And he gave it to them. It hadn't grown yet. And as the disciples went out and offered the bread and the fish in their hands, the miracle happened in their hands. The crowd never got to experience moments like that. When the disciples would pray for the sick, the power of God would come through their lives and they'd see the lepers healed just like they saw Jesus heal them. Come on, it may cost more to be an athlete than a spectator. It may be more training to be an athlete than a spectator. It may be more inconvenient to be an athlete than to be a spectator. It's not about whether God loves you. It's about what experience of Jesus you can have in your life. We're not replacing church with individual walk. We're saying, come on, guys, this year, let's all go for both. Let's have the best church connection we can have. But let's also be committed to being athletes. And I want to encourage you, this is going to be our best lap yet. Don't miss yours. This is going to be our best race. Don't get all bent out of shape later in the year when you hear stuff going on in other people's worlds if you didn't want to run. I believe there's prizes to be won this year. And God's going to do amazing things in us. And he's going to do amazing things through us. Can someone say amen? Amen. So together, we have one common heart. Let's be athletes. Let's not be spectators. Let's not have a reserved seat, but a place on the track. Amen. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus... It's probably the most important thing you could ever do. It's the one decision that won't just affect your life here, but also the eternity to come. But after this life, all I can tell you with honesty, there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And if a person rejects Christ and what he's done for them in this life, God doesn't sentence them to hell. They go by choice because they didn't have to. Now, this is a little bit more full on than what I normally do, but maybe that's for someone here and you need to hear this. But the good news is there's also a heaven. There's a heaven that will be for every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. All you need to do to get your name in that book is believe in the one that God sent Jesus Christ believe that he died on a cross for your sin 
and for your sinful life. And in that moment, receive total forgiveness for all sin and a brand new beginning. God's done all the work. It cost him everything. All we need to do is take a moment to believe. Oh, that scares me when I think of heaven and hell. It should. It should. Because it's real. But I've got even greater news for you today. Not only does God change where you're going to spend eternity beyond the grave, he steps into this life and turns everything around as well. That's our God. That's our God. We're going to pray a prayer together and then just give an opportunity at the end for anyone that's never given their life to Jesus or maybe you've drifted away and today you're like, I've got to get my game back on. I've got to get right with God. The other stuff doesn't make sense. The other stuff's just silliness. I don't know what was in my thinking. I need God. I need the God life. We just want to make an opportunity for you to be able to pray that prayer today without embarrassing you. We're not here to embarrass anyone or try and make ourselves look good. That's why we're going to do it discreetly. Just my every eye is closed. But let's just pray this prayer together, shall we? Every head bowed. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. That I could lose an old beginning and get a brand new one. A life that lives for you. Forgive my sins. I turn my heart to you. Come and fill my life, Holy Spirit. And let my life now belong to you. Save me. Fill me. And let my days be spent for you. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've prayed that prayer, that's awesome. The Bible says that all a person needs to do to be saved is to believe in their heart and make a confession. That's it. No Hail Marys, none of that stuff. Just believe in your heart, make a confession. If you've prayed that prayer today, just before we go out with some more praise, some more worship, get some coffee, some tea, get to know each other a bit better. If you're here and you prayed that prayer because you don't yet know him, but you want to know him. You've been away from him, but today you're coming back. That feeling that you're feeling right now, that kind of sticky, sweaty feeling, that's God drawing you to himself. All you need to do is respond. And I'm going to ask you to respond by lifting your hand when I count to three. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Every eye is closed, every head's bowed. This is between you and God. This moment could be the most important moment of your life. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hand if that's you. God bless you. I see that hand over there. Is there a second person? God bless you. I see that hand. Is there a second person? You say, me too, Andy. I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to get this sorted right here, right now. I see that second person. Is there a third person? And you say, I need to get right with God. I need to get the books right with God right now. We've got one lady. We've got two ladies. Is there, there's a third person right there. Is there a fourth person today? You say, you say, boy, this is a hard sell. It has to be. This is about heaven and hell. This is about lives lived for God in this life. We've got three hands. Is there a fourth hand? You say, me too, Andy. Come on. You've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. 
You've got nothing to lose. If what I've said is totally made up and not true, you've lost nothing. But if it's real, you just gained everything. Is there a fourth person? And you say, me too, Andy, just as we bring this incredible time together to an end. I'm just going to count it down from five. Anyone else? Pop your hand up. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit coming upon these three people. Father, I pray for other hearts that were challenged but couldn't yet respond, that you would continue to minister and bless their lives, we pray, and lead them to everything you've got for them. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic.